Welcome to Agronomy Geeks. I am your host, Lindsay Smith, and I apologize for any of you who have followed along on this podcast in its first iteration or now its second. You're probably wondering what the heck happened to it. Well, life happened, I guess. Work, all sorts of other things. Anyway, I figured it's September. Back to school, a new year, you name it, it's a fresh start. So, to honor that, I'm going to kick this Agronomy Geeks back into high gear and start rolling them out. Now, I should say that with a little bit of a caveat in that this episode of Agronomy Geeks was actually recorded quite some time ago. In July, in fact, in Manitoba on a beautiful sunny day at a field day, Crops of Palooza. Now, at the time, I didn't actually know that it was going to be an Agronomy Geeks. Sometimes when we go to events, we hit record and talk to fascinating people. And whether it's video or audio, whatever, we just record it. And then sometimes we think, what's the best thing to do with this? I mean, do we put it just on the website? Does it only go on the radio show? Do we do both? Do we follow up? Do we need other voices in it? I mean... Maybe this is boring to you, but frankly, this is my job. So when you're in media, you try and figure out what's the best way to capture some of this stuff. So my guest today is Jay Wetter, and I'm going to tell you a little story because this sort of all comes full circle, I suppose. And when I interviewed Jay, we were simply doing an interview. I didn't tell him it was for Ag Geeks because frankly, at that point, I didn't know. But I want to let you in on a little secret. Jay Wetter was my boss. For many years, I worked at Country Guide a long, long time ago. And he may tell you, or maybe not, but we laugh about it now, but I actually, he sat down next to me on a City of Winnipeg bus. And I knew who he was, but he had no idea who I was. And I quite literally struck up a conversation asking if he was Jay Wetter, to which he was very surprised. And from there, we ended up chatting, going for coffee. I found out there was a job opening. And what do you know... I'm off to work for Country Guide. That was many years ago. Anyway, one of the conversations that Jay and I had was about the conversations that we as media are privileged to have with so many people across Canada and across agriculture. Now this, I'm dating myself a little, but this was a little while ago. The internet, yes, totally existed. We worked on email. We did most of our editing online at that point or on a screen. Uh, But podcasts were not really a thing and certainly not a popular thing. The idea of audio or radio even was sort of seen as this old medium and you needed to, you know, bring it up a little and everything had to be on the internet. And this was just at the cusp of where video was going to all of a sudden be a big deal with YouTube and the like. And it just so happened that it was Sean Haney who was the one who really hit that stride with Real Agriculture just a few years later for Western Canada and of course then Canada as a whole. Anyway, Jay and I had a conversation about how we have these amazing talks with some, we the best and the brightest. We talk to fascinating researchers for our job. We talk to farmers that are doing things differently. We talk to people who share, who let us ride in their combines for crying out loud and scribble down notes and to try and tell their stories. And Jay at the time said, he's like, I really do wish, and now he had a radio background, I really do wish there was a way to, you know, just capture all that, to record it, and to share it with so many more people. So really what Jay was talking about was exactly 
podcasts and podcasts in the sense of how we have them now, which is, you know, an app on your smartphone that automatically downloads this stuff and it's just there. It just exists and you can access it. You can access it offline. You can access it online. You can share it with your friend. You can tweet about it. You can say, hey, I heard this. It was great. Or you can just keep it to yourself. And it's just fascinating to me that all these years later, Jay and I get to sit down and do a podcast. So it's about 20 minutes, my conversation with Jay. And I I almost have to apologize because I'm pretty sure we dissolve into fits of laughter at least twice. And if you had been there and we did have a couple people sitting around, you probably would have been shaking your head wondering what we were laughing about. But if you've ever met Jay Wetter, he has a fantastic laugh. And when he really gets going, it's impossible to hold it in. So it does get meh. Not off color per se, but it gets a little, well, you'll hear it. Anyway, um, thank you. Thank you for joining me on this Agronomy Geeks. I'm sorry it has been so long, but I want to introduce you now to my friend Jay Wetter. He is the communications manager with the Canola Council of Canada. He is in charge of Canola Watch and the Canola Digest, and he's a good friend with a great radio voice and a wicked sense of humor. I'm Lindsay Smith, and you're listening to the Agronomy Geeks podcast on realagriculture.com. Joined now by Jay Wetter. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going? Well, it's going well. Jay, what is your actual title now? Uh, well, it has been since day one, communication manager. Oh, since day Sounds one. Sounds pretty good, eh? That does sound... Way to go. Congratulations. <laughs> I manage it all does. of the communications okay. in the world. In the world of canola. Yeah. Um, so, so do you want to know what I really do? Yes, what do you so really canola do? So Canola Watch, yes. which is the email newsletter, the ground yep. newsletter, so I'm the editor of that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And what that uh, entails is a conversation every week with the Canola Council of Canada agronomy team, the agronomists from across the prairies, as well as anyone else who's involved in canola who wants to join us on the call. So we would have guys like Murray Hartman, uh, Matthew Bernard, and Dane Fraze in Manitoba, Matt in Saskatchewan, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that comes out every week during the growing season. And people, if you don't already subscribe to it, you really should. CanolaWatch.org. Really should. And just yes. click the sign up button. Is it okay for me to give a little plug Oh, of there? course you can. Okay, because, great. of course, I get it. I think probably the entire Real Egg team does. Anyone who's... Anyone. Yeah. Gets, anyone uh, who has at all any sort of interest in agronomy and or canola uh, should totally get it. You totally can put a plug in for it because it is fantastic. And, and we have such great quizzes. Exactly. That is one of the things I want to talk about. So, because it is... I think it's important that to enjoy your job. Yeah. Um, I also think that in the world of extension, and we are here at Cropsapalooza today in Carberry, and this is an, ex- an excellent example of how do you keep learning fun? Yeah. How do you keep learning engaging? How do you tackle new subjects or the same subject yeah. 16 times over? Yeah. And so, you know, electronic emails and info is good, but videos are good. Seeing instead of saying, and quizzes. Yeah. are also good and I so I love a good quiz 
And so an agronomy quiz is basically my favorite thing. And so my question is, do you get good uptake on the quizzes? How much work are they? Do you like to do the same one over and over? What's sort of the, what's the vehicle there? What's the, what's the goal with the quizzes? So many good questions there Thank tied you. up into one. Right. And now so I can just talk for 20 minutes. And that, you don't you have can't. That. I'm going to stop you. <laughs> you squeezed all your questions in right in yeah, there. Yeah, okay. at the beginning. Yeah. The quiz is always by far the most clicked item. Yes. Okay. Uh, because people like to have fun, like you said. And, yep. and a, a, a person once told me, a wise person, I don't remember her name. Okay. I'm going to say it said, was me. If it's anyway. fun, it gets done. Oh. So I like that. The quiz gets done yep. because it's fun. Because it's fun. And it is a great, like, it's, it's such a good extension tool because yep. people want to do it. And then the answers are really detailed, at mm -hmm. least the way that I set them up. So the the question sometimes it's just like a yes no true false more of the time more often it's like a multiple choice pick four right. kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, when you click submit, then you get these long, longish answers that have lots of good links and a good a good agronomy message. So it's uh, it's it's the best way to get agronomy across in Canola Watch. And so we try to hit like a timely quiz. Some yeah. Like couple weeks ago was the sclerotinia came into it and then uh, we're now into like the birth armyworm so this right, week's quiz is going to be head. about birth armyworms yeah so hopefully nobody steals my idea before we post right. it tomorrow so on realagriculture.com my <laughs> name for the armyworm quiz <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And there are yeah. so there are some hot spots popping up across the yeah, prairies. There There's also yeah. lots of really low traps like Sean Senko, who uh, lives uh, in Saskatoon but farms just east of Saskatoon. He says in his his area, like there's 10 to 20 adults, right. which is very yeah. low. Like 300, yeah. a cumulative account of Would 300 be. is considered low. Right. So the 10 to 20 yeah, is yeah. like barely so a blip. Yeah. Not to say that they're they're not going to have any right. birthers because when you talk to the entomologist, that's one of the things they say is that yeah, this these are good sort of overview of what, yes, what the yeah. risk might be but you can have fields right beside like side by side one has bad birth and one doesn't for whatever reason yeah. um, and then within a region say if it's a high risk area you can still have fields that don't need to be sprayed yep in some areas that are low risk like where sean is maybe you might have the odd field here and there but right. just because the traps aren't everywhere so yeah. they can't monitor although it's a good plug for in the beginning of the year get your traps up yeah right exactly. right yep. and it's one of those things that i mean then you do at least have a picture just that much closer yeah. to home right so there's so many of these research projects the insect monitoring that kind of stuff where um, researchers are often looking for fields to, to yes. do their work yep. and uh, so the farmer who volunteers a field for this and that they don't really have to do a lot of work yep. but they're getting this really good information be, mm -hmm. and they get a chance maybe to talk one-on-one -on -one with some of these entomologists yep. so there's research doing this same with the harvest like Pammy's doing a, a harvest loss survey uh, right yeah, now they're looking okay. for yep. people to sign up for that so you yep. can go to pammy.ca and find out how to sign up yeah they come in they do the work um you as the farmer have to kind of work with them a little bit right yeah but Within it, they're in and out in an hour. You've learned yourself what your combine losses are for mm -hmm. canola, mm -hmm. and so you could just within that short period of time, you've helped them do their survey, and then you've learned and all. You get, you've learned you get a ton of info. stuff. Yeah, and so on on our farm, we have a we have a rain gauge that was put up for Agricor, which is like the insurance thing. So the the rule for our farm is we couldn't be in that. It's for the forage rainfall program, so we can't actually be in it because we could, of course, I guess, go pour water in there or <laughs> whatever. Um, so I get that. But it means that when they tally that up, we know it's like from our farm. So we actually get like the rainfall, you know, or whatever. So similar idea yeah. is that if you're going to sort of cooperate in some way, whether it's on an individual 
you know, like the combine settings or whether it's an ongoing monitoring thing, yeah. you do, you get that little bit of extra info just for your farm and yeah. then it, it helps, you know, everybody. But um, on the quiz side though, I do have a question. They can, of course, they're timely, but do you, like, have a bank of these things that you draw from, or do you actually, like, make them up? We make them up every week. Huh. Yeah. But now that we've been doing them for a lot of years, yeah. you realize, you know what, I think I've asked that question already. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. So if, if I was a little <laughs> more, more organized, I would go back and pull... <laughs> <laughs> re re You're not, so it's repeat fine. the good questions over and over again. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like Groundhog Day. You wake up every morning and start yeah. as well. It's like square one. Like, yeah. you know, I really could be. You know, <laughs> I should probably talk Actually, about birth of war. We're, we're doing right. that with articles more, is that we've yes, got such yeah. a good bank of articles now that yeah. we can often just go back and then make sure that they're up to snuff in terms of the, the yeah. current best management practices. If they're exactly. two or three years old, it's kind of interesting how little details change. Yep. Um, so we do have to make sure that when we do reuse an article, it is up to date. Yeah, but, that you um, put that little bit of extra work to put the perspective. But we also find that in, you know, in like every growing season is unique. But within every growing season, there's things that we've learned from years past of, okay, this is what happened in a wet cycle or this yeah. is what happened in a dry cycle. And these are the things that are going to come up. So what do we already have out there, right, that we can put together, make sure it's still relevant, exactly that, best yeah. management practices or, or whatever. But, you know... It, it's rare that something completely new happens. We've, yeah. we've, you know, usually had some experience with some of these things. One, one example is ligus bugs, and mm. so they, like the thresholds, they were actually based on science. They're one of the few economic right, thresholds, yeah. and um, but there's been new research from Hector Carcamo and, and yeah. that group down at Ag Canada in Lethbridge to to kind of tweak those thresholds a little okay, bit. So yeah. we did have to update that. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And and also. Yeah. If you've got a lot of soil moisture and the crop is fast growing, you could you could tolerate a lot more ligus bug oh, numbers than you could in a dry situation. Yeah. So like the old the old uh, thresholds are more applicable in a in a not super dry but, it, but a drier scenario. Whereas if you've yeah. got a real lush heavy crop, then those same numbers maybe don't, you don't, don't have work. to spray. I, I do find I I mean canola is fascinating in in so many ways. I mean it's pretty. Um, has an interesting aroma. I love that smell. I know, me too. So, but you know what I found? And having moved out of province, people out of the province don't love it so much. It smells like cabbages. People, yeah, why does this feel smell like cabbage? The whole prairie anyway, they just smell like they cabbages. Smell, in July, they smell like cabbage. <laughs> anyway, I like the smell. But I do, I mean, there are several insects, though, that, that you know, feast on this plant or, or mm. love this plant at different parts of the season. And I will say, as someone who, who, you know, covers what farmers need to know in a growing season, it is one of those sort of... I, I get overwhelmed by it and I'm not the one who has to make the call out in the field. So yeah. I can completely see where, you know, how important it is to stay on top of these things and have these, if it's fun, it gets done kind of things yeah. that might be that, that easier way to remember, you know, which one is an issue when, or how do you distinguish between the two or which one feeds on pods, which one feeds on the plant, all those sorts of things so that you know what you're looking for or where you're looking, or if you see damage, what you should be. And then there's the ones that are fun to say like thrips. <laughs> They may not be, like, terribly bad. They're just fun to say. What is it just Thrips. throwing a random S in the end of a word? Right? Thrips, cleavers. Cleavers. Cleavers are Last time I talked weed. to Sean, we, we had, a, yeah. had a cleavers. A cleaver. I hate cleavers. Cleaver. Well, but a cleaver is a meat thing. Like, it's a knife, right? Yeah, but one, one weed. Cleaver. Cleavers. Yeah. It's not koshas. <laughs> I don't have a koshas problem. Although some people used to call the uh, Safeway Safeways. 
put an S on the an end. An apostrophe, yes. That's okay. Oh, no. If Tom Wolf is here, if he hears the word put in inappropriate apostrophes, he will break out the apostrophe squad. But like it's like Safeway is the family, so or the guy, yeah, or whatever. Safeways, Safeways, Safeways. Safeways store. No, but Safeways. no, no apostrophe, just plural. <laughs> anyway, we're also it's writing. It's like putting the in front of like, the Safeways. When I worked at Wheat City Seeds and Brand, and this guy came and he was talking about having the asthma. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one. It is just mine, and it is the asthma. <laughs> okay, I feel bad for him. I hope he got a puffer. Anyway, that is the technical term. I have the asthma. Or it's, I've heard diabetes, which is no laughing matter, being called the sugar. You have the sugar. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Okay, so we digress. <laughs> so moving back to canola. I did want to talk about, or you wanted to talk about it, and I'm going to let you because, hey, it's a good idea. I other crops in rotation for canola. We yep. talk about this concept. We talk about the importance of rotation. We talk about, you know, so many times over the benefits of rotation to pest populations, that sort of stuff. Ta- what are the conversations that we're having about the crops in rotation with canola? Yeah. <clears throat> rotation, like a break crop between canola is so important for, uh, like, disease management, club root, black lake in particular. So we like to talk about how do you get other crops into the rotation. And canola wheat can work in a lot of areas, but it's probably not enough mm-hmm. when, you're, when you need to have a longer break. Otherwise, the spores don't break down enough. And that goes for black leg and for club root. Um, so what, what crops do you grow in a rotation? Like if, if a farmer's been growing a lot of like wheat and canola for a long time, um, how do you find a crop? If you're in the black soil zone, not all pulses work really well there. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a, a sort of less than super wet year, maybe you can grow peas. Fava beans, I'm quite intrigued about fava beans. I'm, like just on a personal basis, I think, you know, when canola was first starting, it was mm-hmm. kind of a specialty crop. and then But they worked on it to develop the market and then yeah. to make the make the crop itself a little more agronomically sound, that kind of thing. And it's going to constant development over the years. But I just think fava beans, because it grows so well in the black soil yes, zone. yeah. That maybe maybe if somebody spent some time trying to really develop the market, and maybe it's about breeding the yeah. like the, the quality of the, the seed yeah. itself. And I would I would agree that that having decent options is the key here, yeah. right? And that and and it's not just strictly profitability based. It's it's about all those other benefits that you actually attribute to that crop, right? But you know, faba beans is one of those ones like it fixes its own end. You can get some really decent yields, but you've got to have somewhere to sell it yeah. or use it, right? Because mm-hmm. of course, you know, it can be for feed or, yeah. or those sorts of things. So you need you need somewhere to use it or or, or sell it or whatever. Um, but it's it has to make sense for the farmer. It can't it. We can't do only something for one of those crops in rotation. We've got to do something that works for the entire profitability. But I, I would agree with you that having things like, let's say, you know, faba beans or peas that are better adapted, those yeah. sorts of things. And, and, you know, I've been away from the prairies for a while, and it's interesting to see, you know, the increasing the increase in processing mm-hmm. in some of our some of our crop types. I mean, that's got to be driving some demand. We've got, you know, here in Manitoba, the, the pea processing happening there. Of course, I drove past Portage, and there's, you know, this giant potato plant and, um, like, a, a processing place, not, like, a physical plant, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so just, <laughs> we'll just make that clear. Because I like just, the, in my mind, imagine this giant, like, raw green plant. It's like plant. a huge anyway. banana in Melita. <laughs> 
huge. Where, that, where is it? Um, in Mundare, I want to say in Alberta, that has the Kubasa ring. Oh, yeah, okay. It just, yeah. It's a, it's not a pretty one. I'll just, I'll just put it out there. If you're going to have a huge banana, have a huge banana, not a huge Kubasa ring. Anyway, so I'm just saying. All right. Okay. I just want to throw in soybeans just because. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, you look at a, a rotation crop, and I guess there are some challenges because both canola and, and soybeans White mold are. And yeah, ferritinia, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, but. But there's a crop that has a obviously a massive market, and yes. so if you want if you grow soybeans, you can you can sell them usually. Yep. Um, so that's that that's one crop uh, that might have a, a decent fit. And this is like Rick Talio, who's with Alberta Canola. He he and I have had these conversations about rotation versus break. You know, right? Yeah. Um, because it, like it's not like uh, a farm has canola wheat peas barley canola wheat like rarely it seems they're like locked in yeah. on, a, on a fixed rotation which right. is kind yeah. of like when you think of a rotation they okay this is this is what i'm doing for the next 20 years yes yeah it's always in a state of flux and you gotta yeah. there's gotta be which crops can i grow well yes. which got which crops can i grow well am i comfortable growing yeah which crops are well suited to my area which crops are easy to market. Right. Uh, so yep. that all the, and, and it's because marketing um, changes, even the, in, even yep. the weather each year changes, the rotation is going to change too. So it's, it's, it's something that you got to think about, you know, what can I add more crops into my whole yep. system? And just yep. to, before we close this, I mean, just to re- reiterate the point you made about looking at your, your whole, all your crops as, as a system. Yeah. So canola sure maybe is making there has been making decent money. Yeah. And then you put in wheat as a you know as a break crop. As a break, yeah. But but maybe or or peas or whatever. And but you need to fully realize the value that that crop is yeah. bringing to the rotation, even if at the end of the day. The wheat, um, the, the 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 price you get on the wheat versus the inputs, or any you throw in any crop there. I'm just mm-hmm. saying wheat, because it's the most common one for a rotation with canola. Um, you, you need to look at the whole system and the benefit that those yeah. rotation crops are bringing back to canola. If yeah. canola is your key, and then and I off the top of my head, I forgot who did the presentation, but it was here in Manitoba, and they talked about evaluating your rotations on six-year cycles as opposed to looking at year-by-year profitability and comparing. What, how as you add in and diversify so if in six years you grow four crops um, what that looks like versus if in six years you grow three versus if in six years you grow two and, and when you stretch it out a little longer you can start to add up the value of that diversity for diseases weeds mm-hmm. your soil microbes your all those sorts of things because of course there are tons of different options but year over year sometimes it's hard to you know maybe oats didn't do great price-wise uh, or, or maybe peas didn't or you know in year two but by year four you also realize benefits to the following wheat crop or yep. you realize benefits to canola the year after whichever right so you know after soybeans or or after wheat because soybeans were the year before or whatever and let's say fava beans because soybeans don't leave a lot of n for anybody else they don't leave any they make their own but they don't leave any and so that's where something like a pea or a fava bean might add more but whatever anyway so Part of it, I think, it is that perspective of planning, but also being a little more fair in evaluating the longer term, right? Um, but the, but that's also tough to do because if you think about if your farming career is is 40 growing seasons, 
trying to think about in six years. Yeah. It, it breaks down into not that many times to try. But to me, that's not that many times to try and get it right. Yeah. So you, you, I don't know. I think there's value in maybe evaluating in that longer term. Um, and trying to get away from the just profitability of, of year over year and try and get those breaks in there. Because realistically, you know, canola is a challenging crop in many ways as far as insect cycles and, and disease and those sorts of things. And it's not going to get any easier with tight rotations. It's just no. not, right? There's no miracle spray or miracle seed treatment or anything like that that's coming down the pipe that's going to make up the difference of what we can do with with crop yeah. rotation and, and biology, right? And, and maybe some of the fear, and I don't know, fear is not the right word, because, but, you know, th- this notion that I need to find a crop to cover one, a whole one third of my acres, mm-hmm. you know, for this, for this break, um, yeah. to, you know, to expand from a two year to a three year, I need to find yeah. something to, to cover one third of my acres. Well, yeah. You know, I, I think that's, you don't need to, you could experiment with one field and just see, you know, yeah, is, this, is this work yeah, for me? And then give it a few years, nothing, like right? one field this year, one field next year. And, yeah. and then just, okay, I'm, I'm figuring this crop out. I know it works. And, yeah. and uh, so give it more than a year, but you don't have to cover all of your, all, yeah. like you a whole one third of your acres. Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's good to Absolutely. experiment with a few different options. And yeah. And, and learn exactly that, like, you know, harvest timing and combining it and storing it yeah. and marketing and all those sorts of things, right? Like get comfortable with some of these And come to, come to a farm show like Crops of Palooza or go to Crop Sphere or Crop Connect. Yeah. or, or, or farm, all of them. farm tech yeah go to all of them in the winter and they listen to these other sessions and learn yeah. from other farmers and yeah and, and uh, that is one thing i will say for here at, at crops of palooza like it's really great to see all the different crop types and and you know different mm-hmm. aspects of the production of each of them and some of the challenges between them and whatever like it's it's a great way to just walk around and exactly that just be curious about some of the other things that are out there um which you know we're covering some of on the show but wouldn't you have to go there like we we always try of course as as part of our job to sort of give you you know the the overview of what happened and talk to the interesting people and try and capture some of that but being here in person is just yeah. you know it is just so much more valuable sometimes but um, all right, Jay, I think we're out of time. This has been a lot great. of fun. It was, Lindsay. You should the, do this again. I said that when I talked to Sean, I said, you know, we should do this more often. Oh, yes. It's maybe just because I like talking. And, maybe. I and think you like having a headset. You get, and I feel like, a, yeah. Or, <laughs> For a sportscaster. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. that's why. But I it could, is I could, We could be baseball commentators. Probably, because mostly they just chit-chat yeah, in between. Oh, it. hey, he threw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I like baseball commentary because it's rarely about baseball. Sean's yeah. going to kill me for that one, but that's fine. Well, like, but you just have to know a lot of stats and, you know, little personal yes. stories about every single player. And, right. You know, I mean, that, can't be, makes it interesting. that can't be that hard, right? <laughs> no. we'll try All right, <laughs> Jay. Thanks so much. Okay. See you, Lindsay.